0: The high in the rappers. I got a team, new knife and a tractor. We sippin' that moonshine and I'm plastered. kitchen, I'm actually recording this in 90 degree weather with <laughs> the, kitchen, uh, <laughs> with the <hell. laughs> oven on 400 degrees because I didn't plan well, so this guest is going to have to deal with me multitasking uh, while I'm baking chicken and while Basically. we're actually baking And these... <laughs> <laughs> so i element
1: right
0: now. So i like to introduce everyone to uh, our, our newest guest, Scott Everton. Hello, Scott.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: No, thanks for coming, man. It took us a while to get this set up, but I'm glad we could get this set up. Um, it uh, a little while ago, I was actually uh, um, convincing my fiance to uh, take her entrepreneurial endeavors more seriously. So we were at a pop up market in the Seaport District in Boston, Mass. Uh, it was a uh, who's running? Is that Young Black Professionals? It's I know it's
1: B B O B, which I think is like there's definitely black in there somewhere. Right. It's, uh, yeah, it was a it was a
0: black theme pop up market in the Seaport District in Boston, and I ran to Scott, uh, who was who had a display going. I'm not there. black, but no, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he had a business. Uh, so we've been trying to set this up ever since then. It's been about a couple of weeks, but I'm glad we could. Um, so, uh, let's give a little background on on Scott. Scott, where are you from originally, uh, folks? Where'd you go? Born and raised? Where are you from? Yeah. Where have you been recently?
1: I'm a, I'm a native Bostonian. So I'm from Dorchester, neighborhood of Boston. Even more particular, I'm from Upton's Corner, which is like a section of Dorchester that I'm from. I'm actually fourth generation Dorchester. I didn't know that. Crazy, right? Yeah, that's not. So my great grandmother (laughs) is... From the same neighborhood that I lived twenty eight years in, so I lived on a third floor apartment of a triple decker, which is like a real like historically Dorchester Boston kind of building. Mm-hmm. And so I lived in a third floor apartment, the only place I ever lived for twenty eight years before I bought a house in Roxbury, and now I live in Roxbury. Where's your Where's your family originally from? Like where they? So my, so my mom's from Columbia Point, which okay. is like a, a project housing of boston yeah my dad's kind of a vagabond he's like from boston as well but uh he was in foster care and shit like that and kind of bounced around a little bit yeah so he doesn't have the most lineage or history but he if you asked him he would say he's from boston
0: okay cool yeah. i know that okay yeah because i yeah my family my grandmother's is from south carolina and my dad's side's really from Alabama. My dad was born and raised in Alabama. So my mom is born and raised here, but not too deep in the Bostonian roots. It's like I just I'm a generation in. Like
1: yeah, that's pretty, uh, pretty black of you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, we, we, um, all, we all we all <laughs> we're not from here. Yeah, yeah,
1: Black people of Boston are always like Caribbean, Haitian, Jamaican, yep. Cape Verdean. Yeah. And it's not usually like actual African American roots to the right. south. You know what I'm saying? Exactly.
0: So you, your family's Boston you your Boston raised. we actually met at Boston Latin Academy, which was an exam school. And I've had a few guests, actually, uh, uh, Lawrence White, Ernest Bennett. Oh, man. That, yeah, yeah. That we, uh, on the show as well. You know, well. I worked
1: with Lawrence not too long ago. He was at the Croc too, right? He worked at Croc too. That, that's right.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, it's this is a theme I ask all the time. What was that experience of Boston Latin Academy like? Because it's not... It's public, but it's not, like, public public.
1: I I didn't get the experience that everybody else gets. I came in as a BZ. Yeah,
0: that's right. You got in there.
1: My life at the time was, like, busy with the inner city workings of my neighborhood. So I was, like, drawn in heavy to what uh, being a, like, poor urban youth will draw you into. Yeah. So, like, I didn't really get much of, like, a high school experience. It was where I, like... Showed up and left to because I, I had to to not be truant and like be a true fuck up of a kid. Yeah. But like my Boston Latin Academy experience, I think, is way different than, than everybody else's. What do you mean by that? Were you? So like I was in no clubs. I, I didn't have like my the memories I have of life during the high school years come from the people in my neighborhood and the things I was doing where I was from. Not from the things I did while I was in while I was in high school.
0: Okay, okay, that makes sense.
1: And the breezy thing. So for listeners, so Boston Latin Academy starts at seventh grade, and everyone goes from seventh to twelfth grade. They have this like history of being new together, and then staying in the school for six long years and graduating in this big achievement. I came in in ninth grade, already kind of made me an outsider a little bit. Yeah, and you know was never really in the club of like, man, we've been here forever, and da da da. And also, just uh, I don't didn't really end up in any good clicks or anything like that. Not to a fault. I wasn't like sad about it, but my friendships and lives. I'm really lucky to have a lot of lifetime friends and like friends from my neighborhood that made my life like enriching in that way that I didn't even get to tap into the value that high school has. Which is which is a dope thing to have high school memories and friends and all those things that you build. But I didn't really get to tap into that so much. I thought
0: you had it. That's what you say that because when I would see you, I thought you'd, you'd, nah, we all know uh, each
1: other. And we I had, had I had a little click of like the older kids, like Will and Corey. Yeah, and that was cool. But that was from Edson, who is from Upham's Corner. Yeah,
0: that's so right. So as
1: yeah. a BZ, I saw Edson and went like, "Hey, person I know, let me cling to you a little bit." in the first month of being in a new school where everyone else knows each other and he accepted me and then he was kind of he was he was part of a cool clique yeah, yeah. Will and Corey and him were like older than me and very cool and yeah. they like let me in and I was like great deal but it, it wasn't like I wasn't part of that clique in life I was part of that clique when I clocked in for high school yeah, you okay, know what yeah, I'm saying yeah, I hear you. and so it was like oh word I, I like somehow got a path into this cool clique but once it was time to go, I was like, okay, bye guys, see you later.
0: Got it. Okay, so as it's going on, the older you're getting when you're getting ready to leave Boston I Academy, did you notice
1: did you think your life was going
0: to a different place than the people you were living around at the time? Did you
1: somewhat, but no, not really that was that was uh that was my trouble. I, I had to go to summer school to graduate okay, I like. Did progressively worse in grades. I did too. In my, you know, like, <laughs> in my senior year, I probably had like eighty six tardies. Yeah, you know, I had yeah. like, a joke of a class in the morning. I had, like one of the Sullivans, yeah. the one that died, which like his class was not a class. Uh, I, I had that was, like first period and then study second period. I think it was Thomas Sullivan. Was that Latin? If anything, it was he was just a it, broken it, like it, it. Yeah. you know. He seemed like a nice guy, but he truly didn't try. It wasn't. It wasn't a class. It was ridiculous yeah and so i had him like first and then like study second so my senior year i'm um, no bullshit that number 86 sticks in my head i think i had 86 tardies <laughs> and i had like failed some classes i had to go to summer school to graduate and uh, i have him on facebook now with a dude mr mcguire the teacher yeah i never had him or anything like that and i never really fucked with him and i especially didn't fuck with him when i went to go like pick up my diploma i had to go like august 10th after school was done and I had to pick up my diploma and he was like in the principal's office like doing whatever teachers do before school starts and I remember picking up and just kind of being a dick about like giving me the diploma and it was so hard for me to not be like yo shut the fuck up and give me the diploma like there's nothing stopping me from just giving you everything that you don't want bro like just fucking give it to me dog you're being a dick I find no humor I never fuck with you we have no rapport this is not the time, dog. Like, just give it to me. And you know what's funny? is I see him on Facebook, and I like the shit that he's doing. He engages with students. I, he has this thing he's doing right now with school lunches and all this kind of shit. And I rock with him, he seems like a great dude. Yeah. But I w- would love to hear what he would say if you ever heard my tale that I just told of how he kind of, like, he, like, put that diploma in front of me and, like, pulled it back. And, like, put it and pulled it back. Not actually <laughs> that, but, like, a version of right, that. Right, right. It was like, yo, this is, n- I find no humor in this, dog. Like, this is not funny <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so uh, w- when you when you graduate it's funny when i w- i feel like i was i was just super i just didn't know what the fuck i wanted to do when i graduated so like i just went to college was it always your plan to go to school major work now
1: you know what's funny is Corey allen wrote uh for something for a class and he talked about alternative graduates talking about People that were graduating who weren't planning on going to college and he featured me and then another girl. I think her name was Erica. And she, I think she had got cut back. Remember she would rock a baldy with like
0: low yes. hair and blonde yes. who'd be blonde. Yeah, I remember Erica. We had classes yeah. together. I, I wonder what's up
1: with her. Part. Hey Erica, if you hear this, holler at your boy. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what's up with you in life. I hope you're doing well. Um but uh he featured me and her and he wrote that my like my plan was to save money and buy a house, and to try to get into real estate as an investor, okay, and to not and to not go to college because it was a bad investment, because college is a bad yeah, investment. Yeah, it's kind of- <laughs> <laughs> because college degrees are a bad investment, and real estate clearly is a great idea.
0: So that's, you graduated at that point. Did you just go straight to? Were you just like right real estate? Did you work a little bit? No, yeah,
1: I I, I worked. So you know, at the at the time. When I was graduating high school, I've always had a bit of a entrepreneurial spirit, you know. The word "hustler" and "hustle" gets used a lot in in my neighborhood where I'm from and stuff like that. Right. And the negative connotation to it, I hate. But like, I've people. I'm am, I am a hustler. I hustle a lot. It's what I love. I wake up. I'm driven. All this kind of shit. But uh, so I was I've been getting money for a, for a while. So I was like versed in ways to to get money since I was. 15, 13, okay. you know what I'm saying? Like, so at the time of when I was a senior and graduating down when I were like came into my own of, of getting money. And so I, uh, I was just, I was just doing my own thing, getting money at that time. Not yeah. really, not really thinking about college or much else, except for like how fun it was to have money at my disposal, have a car. Uh, I, I smoked weed. I was just, I had all the weed in the world. I could smoke. <laughs> like, my life was... Like, as far as I could tell, my life was dope at that time. Right. Money, car, weed, freedom. It was the shit. How long did that last? Pretty much until 10 <laughs> 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 Um, and yeah, that's why. I, uh, so, I, so, I have a whole tall tale about how I, I kind of got snapped out of it. But the, the, the abridged version is so... Um,
0: there's a kid from my neighborhood
1: that gets, uh, gets murdered on my street one time. And one day I like go to the bodega to get like a teeny juice in the morning. And you know, the candlelight vigil is like candles and <laughs> fucking Hennessy bottles and all that shit. Yeah. I see one of those and I'm like, oh, okay. It's like a normal sight. I got And then I go and I look and I see that it's, uh, has a picture. So I go and I look at the picture and it puts me in this trance and I like stand in this trance for like an hour, uh. Just like, but I had known uh, plenty of people who died of gun violence from my neighborhood. It wasn't like the first time, but he was probably the most intimate person that I had known who had done, die, died of gun violence. And uh, eventually there's a Boys and Girls Club in my neighborhood. This dude from the Boys and Girls Club came and like shook me out of the trance and like hugged me, which was nuts because this dude was like a dick. Yeah. And he was like, he's a dude who ran the gym. And now I think back, like a hug from him is probably the biggest stretch that dude has ever done. And he hugged me and shook me out of it. So that dude gets, gets murdered. My mentor at the time uh, goes to jail for murder for life. Yeah. And uh, was, there's always one more fact. And And, and I realized, like, i I got to get a job. Yeah. i got to, like, figure this shit out. Yeah. And that's when I, like, kind of snapped out of it and decided I, uh, what I want to do with my life. And that's when I decided I want to be an optometrist.
0: Okay. That's, that's super interesting, though, that it... Just being around that, were you... I feel like there's, there's, I guess, two ways to do it, and I've heard this a lot. When you're in that type of environment, you either become numb, right, or you just fall right into it. And it's so hard to, like... And it's funny, the older I get, now I'm, like, in my 30s and I see it, and now it's easy for me to speak on stuff, talk to people who are younger than me, have opinions that matter, but it's like, when I was 17, 18, someone dying, you're just like, no, this is just, like, just keep Damn. your mouth shut. Like, yeah. like this he is, is just like...
1: And and that's a, and that's a you know, a thing that you realize, you know, true wisdom, it just only comes with time. There's, yeah. there's only so much you can learn. There's just so many things you can only learn with time. And it's really hard to, like, step out of yourself and and see where you're at because a lot of things you'll never realize. I never knew I was, like, pulling from the ghetto until I, like, got outside of the ghetto. That was my big epiphany when I went to Latin Academy. I didn't really know, like, that I was, like... As poor and like from the hood as I was, until I went to Latin Academy and I learned about like West Roxbury.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like I
1: went like, what is it? Like, what is this place?
0: Yeah.
1: What? Where? What are all these white people from that I've never like heard of? I, I didn't know. I didn't know what Hyde Park was or West Roxbury or Rosendale. Like yeah. all these places that are, like within the city. And I was like, oh, I, I had no idea. And then you know, meeting people from that world and, and they would they would tell me like oh, the, the way you dress and how you act, like, it's so crazy, you know? But like well, fuck, if I know, I had no idea. How I, like, I thought everyone just acted like this and rolled this way, you know I what I'm
0: saying? I was thought it was interesting because you were never, like, you weren't trying to be anything else. Like, you weren't, you didn't walk around and go, yo, what's up, yo, what's up, dog? Like, yeah. I'm Scott, like, you'd yeah. have a ni- weird <laughs> nickname, like, you know what I <laughs> mean? I just Sorry. never, I never thought you were...
1: That makes me feel good because I gotta say... Ever, I, I, but I always thought you,
0: and you were just... You, I always thought you were just comfortable. Like, you were just you. And I'm like, Scott, you, see, you, you seem like you were up in the city, but you didn't seem like those, those super Irish, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, a super yeah, Scott, yeah. you weren't that. Yeah, but I always not. felt like
1: you were just another dude who was <laughs> who just... I have, that makes because there's definitely a dynamic of being a white dude from the hood of, like, trying to, like, find yourself and figure out where you belong. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and uh, everybody has that, but I think it's a little bit of an extreme in that way because you can't align yourself with white Boston... Cause white Boston is like keggers and like yeah. there's all there's also like yeah. hints of racism in it. Yeah, and then you can't align yourself with black Boston because you ain't black.
0: Yeah. yeah, and
1: so it's like it's a weird place. Uh, you know, luckily growing up as I did and having the successes, I get I do I do have like a lot of confidence and I'm blessed in that way and thank you know thank goodness for it because it, it's got me a lot of places and I definitely do wonder a lot you know uh, if people. I have consciousness about how people view me yeah. and how I carry myself. Like, I do often wonder, like, do they think I'm, like, putting on a show of right. who I am and stuff like that? But eventually you got to just fucking hope to be comfortable in your own skin and be who you are because you don't... I can't be another way. You right. know
0: what I'm saying? Yeah. So, all this is happening and you are... Right, how would you even... How, what about autometry? Was it just... You just heard about it and you were just like, all right, I can roll with this.
1: I remember going to... Get glass. So, I have, I have a good glasses story, actually. So, I'm in middle school, and I'm, like, fucking with a girl. I'm, like, fucking with this girl. And, like, plus I'm playing around with her. And, like, I, like, take her glasses off. And I'm, like, look at me. I have glasses. And I put her glasses on. And I went, what the fuck? Is this real? And I look around the room, and I can, like, read the board. And I can, like, see the clock. And I'm, like, yo, what the fuck? And I take them off, and I say, like, is that how you see? And he says, yeah. And I go, give him back. And I look around and I go like, that sign over there, you can just read that? And She goes, yeah. And it blew my mind. I had terrible vision and had no idea. And so from then on, for the next month, every person I met, I would ask like, can you see that sign over there? And they would tell me like, yeah, of course. And I'd be like, what the fuck, man? I felt wrong. I felt like the whole time the world is just rolling with this great vision and I'm out here squinting. And then it made me realize, like, yo, I hate going to the movies. You know why? Because I can't fucking see the movie screen. I never... I get invited to, like, a Celtics game. I'm like, I don't want to go. You know why? I can't fucking see the game. It's whack. And I remember, you know, I had one of the floors on... The TV's on the floor at home. And I'd, like, scoot on the floor next to it and, like, stand fucking... Sit damn near nose to it. My father always yelling, like, get away from the TV. Back up from the TV. I'd back up. He'd go away. I'd fucking go right back. Yeah. And I realized all this shit, like, meant, like, yeah... I had terrible vision. And so then I went and got glasses, and I saw the optometrist's job. He does these cool little machines, and he gets people glasses, and he gives people the gift of sight. And I'm like, this is dope. If that's I ever could like, have a job, I kind of fuck with this guy's job.
0: That's what's up. Sorry, yeah, that's dope. Cool. Did you go to uh, the, the giantess... Community college in the history of Boston, Bunker Hill. Like, was that your first stop?
1: Pretty close. I, I probably would have. My, um, my mom went to Quincy College as like a, I don't know, 30 or 40, probably 40 something year old. Yeah. She, my mom's one of eight kids from the project. You know, a lot of them have died young from like one was murdered and was like stabbed in a bar fight. <laughs> one like overdosed on heroin and was crippled like crazy shit. You know what I'm saying? Like one was in the Vietnam war and yeah. came back and wasn't really the same, like crazy shit. And, and so she had a, a crazy life. And eventually she went back to school and like got a degree after I was like a teenager and, shit. and she went to Quincy college, which made me have that, you know, in my network, in my spectrum. And when I did go, I went to Quincy college. Okay. I went and I, I looked up uh, optometry and medical school prerequisites. And it's like a list. And it'll be like, have taken these 13 classes. So I just went to Quincy College and said like, give me these 13 classes. And they said like, what degree? What, what program are you going to win in? I'll take these 13 classes, please. How would you like to... 13 classes, please. And just paid cash. Uh, eventually had to fill in with like English lit or whatever. Right. So they would eventually give me a math, science, liberal arts degree. Yes. Yeah. But it was pretty much like Give me all the classes that are on the medical optometry school prerequisite list so that I can apply for optometry school. Okay. And that's what I did. I paid cash. I was getting money at the time. Paid cash for my degree, paid cash for all my books, and uh, and filled it up and graduated from Quincy College two years after high school. So graduated 2001, 2003, started college, and then graduated 2005. Okay. That's what's up. Man. So you're done. graduated from Quincy College. What happened then? I go to fucking apply for optometry school. Yo. Right? <laughs> no. So I have a car at this yep. time. I'm like living a life. I'm like a person in life, almost an adult. And, uh, I go to apply for optometry school and it's like thousands of dollars in application fees. And the tuition is like, in I don't know, $80,000 or something ridiculous. And I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm going from like Each semester, going to the counter at Quincy College, saying, like, how much? And they're like, they're like, 2800 for this semester. Right. And I'm like, bet. And just laying it down. I can't do this. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, first of all, you want me to pay two Gs to not get in, to apply, and then y'all can say no, that I don't get into optometry school? Like, fuck that. I'm not doing this. Like, no more. And so... I end up working retail and I worked at Sunglass Hut because it was like kind of like in the field. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You know what's crazy actually how I got the job at Sunglass Hut? I was selling cell phones in the mall. Which mall? In Braintree Mall. Okay. Uh, one one day I'm in the mall and I walked by a cell phone place and somebody offered me a job and then I took it. Truly like just walked by and I took it. And then remember in the mall when there was a point where you'd walk around and they'd be the guys that were like, hey, can I get your free phone? Yeah. Hey, you want a free phone? Yeah. Hey, let me talk to you later, free phone. I was that guy for a little while. And then my kiosk was outside of Sunglass Hut. And I would talk to the manager there and be like, yo, this job sucks. It's just bullshit. Da da da. da. And she was like, hey, you could come work here. I was like, fuck it. And then that's how I got working at Sunglass Hut. And then I worked at Sunglass Hut for 13 years. Holy shit. 13 years? 13 years. Crazy. With...
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, <laughs> there's a lot
0: of unpack there. Uh, How do you? What kept you there that long?
1: I was getting money. It's fun. Is it a commission? Yeah. Okay. I was killing it. I killed it. I, I set every record for 13 years straight. Like it was just every. I just achieved and achieved and achieved and one and one and one. It was just positive reinforcement after positive reinforcement, and eventually, you know, it was to the point where I was like. I had the highest volume store in the city. I owned a home in Roxbury and worked in the Prudential Center and rode my bike to work. Showed up late, left early, told everyone what to do, worked whatever schedule I wanted. When I clocked in, I would like, you know, mostly charm and flirt for a living. Yes. And make like, when I left, I was making like 75000 a year. Like, just fucking selling sunglasses.
0: Were you, was it like management too?
1: Yeah. So I grew you, into the manager role. You grew
0: originally. into that. Damn. So you're moving up, managing stores. What yeah. What are the shitty times I guess i out? Like I've worked, i worked a shitload of retail jobs, man. Best Buy, Circuit City.
1: Yeah. you're... People steal glasses fucking every day. <laughs> People steal glasses every day. A good one. So I'm in Brinkley <laughs> Mall, right? This is before, this is before I had been a manager and shit like that. All so right. I'm in Brinkley Mall. A couple dudes walk in and there's like, Chanel is like the highest end brand. It has a special case and it has like a lock case. And so a dude asked, like, let me try a couple Chanel pair on. I'm like, no doubt. I open it up. Now, this dude's sketchy looking, but I had got so many wins from giving great service and, like, no timid hesitancy yeah. to, like, the sketchiest looking dudes that I, 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 it was, like, part of what I would do. Like, even the, a dude would come in, rigging like weed with, yeah. like, fucking Tim's and baggy pants and a big gold chain, and i will be like, hello, sir, how may I help you? And he'd ask to try the Chanel. i will fucking, you got it. And I would give him the royal treatment every time. And a lot of times, it would turn into them fucking buying $500 sunglasses. Yeah. And where everyone else would be like, oh, yeah. scary black guy. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so he comes. I'm like, he wants to try Chanel. You got it. Try Chanel. Uh, I go. I open the case. And then he, and he tries one. And then he turns. And he goes and tries something else. And so we, I turn with him as he tries something else. I turn my back. Another dude with like a buck 40 in your face comes uh, he's got like a and comes in he's got a bag and he's filling his bag with Chanel glasses and I look and I go to shut the case and I'm like yo what the fuck are you doing and I go to close, close the thing and he steps nose to nose with me and goes don't get fucked up over no glasses and I looked <laughs> and I looked at him and the, the problem for me is he's testing my manhood right then right and being who I am and where I'm from I'm like I I been in a thousand fist fights and I'm I'm ready. Like, fuck that. No man will look me in my eye and take that tone with me. Like, never. I'll get fucked up a thousand times before I let another man look me in my eye and knows to know me and take that tone. Like, fuck that. But you know what? He was right, dog. He was right. Yeah. Weren't my glasses. I got paid the same whether they got stolen or not. He He was right. And so I fucking went like... <sighs> I wish I could could tell you you might not fuck me up over these glasses and I'm the kind of guy who would never let you take that tone but I had to just take that ego L and let him just fucking take those glasses because he was right and the right thing for me to do is to be like you got that buck four to your face like there you go
0: yeah it is, it's funny because I hear about those all like there's a, I think it's a sunglass hut in Faneuil Hall
1: mm-hmm, they smash the glass long. yeah I mean, they smash the glass took everything so, out yep that, but that's like a semi annual thing <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's it's funny because I, I I saw a special about a uh, sunglass hut uh, a bunch of those stores they own, exactly yeah. exactly and it's interesting that you work there uh, before doing your own venture. because they own like everything like sunglass really right it's
1: crazy they have a the reason so they're a big motivator for solar flare, so the the main motivator was in my last year at Sunglass Hut, I sold two point five million dollars in <sighs> sunglasses. Not me per my store, I did two point. That's the volume that I did in one year in Boston, where it fucking snows. Yeah, two point five million dollars in at one store. At one store, and I said like, man, let me get a piece. Let me get a piece. There's gotta be. Three hundred thousand lying around for me to fucking scrap off the floor. Yeah. If you motherfuckers are just that was one store though. They have sixteen in the Boston area, so I'm like yo, there's gotta be three hundred thousand lying around in this city, let alone in this country, in this world, for me to fucking get a piece. I need a piece, dog. And that was my that was like my main motivator. Also, yeah, like fuck Sonica. the the shit like there. Business is dope. They're winning. I, I can't knock anything that they're doing. They've, their strategy is perfect and flawless and they're winning in a way that most people can't even imagine a corporation would have a way to win, which is like monopolizing things so that people are ignorant to it. You know, like, so they, they own every brand. Right. They own an insurance company. They own the stores. So they own Sunlight Lens Crafters. Yeah. Um, uh, it used to be Optical Shop of Aspen. They have an, is a new line now. A bu- you know, a bunch of glasses, Target Optical, Walmart Optical, and then they own every brand. They own the yeah. rest to produce Prada, Versace, Boulder, <laughs> like Ray-Ban, yeah. Oakley, all, every, just everything. And, God damn, what a good plan. Like, good job, guys. But they have the world convinced that glasses should cost a lot of money, but they, they don't. They don't have to cost a lot of money. And you you sacrifice nothing. No quality for glasses to be inexpensive. Really? Yes. Even, you know, there's high, there's super high quality glasses, but that's also like driving a Bentley. Like, do you really, do you, Joel, do you really need to drive a Bentley? No. Of course is... not. Like, do you think a fucking like really nice, I don't know, Volkswagen is like very, a very nice car? It will do you well in life. Yeah. Of course. Why the fuck would you drive a Bentley? <laughs> it's just excessive. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you can Volkswagen it up in glasses and pay a reasonable price. And, and, that's, and that's what I'm trying to do.
0: So when you, you realized $2.5 you weren't going to get a piece. You decided to do your own thing. Yeah. What was that own thing?
1: I wanted to, I wanted to open my own shop. Right. So I wanted to sell glasses on my own. I I lost my car to like an accident. I had I had cut the insurance for my car and then my car got totaled by a person who didn't have insurance, blah blah blah. So I became like a biker. Okay. And so I like ride a bike for transportation. So I ride my bike back and forth to work all the time. And I have like a mentor, a dude who went to Latin Academy, Jeff Rogers. Jeff Rogers. I'm gonna have to look that name up. You'll know him if you see him. Um and so I have a million zany ideas. I'm always going to him. like... My my first idea that he bit, that he almost let me really do, or not let, but almost pushed me to of the green light to do, was to have, like, a video game cafe. And I, I almost did that. And then I would come to him with a bunch of other ideas. Yo, I have that idea right now. I'm not even lying.
0: Like, it's it. it uh, you know how they have Penny Arcade bars and all that shit? I want to create, at some point in my life, I don't know when, a lounge where you literally have home console games, and then people pay slots. Because arcades are dead. Yep. But everyone's playing anything from fighting games to Fortnite, Call of Duty. And the reason they play online is because they play with other people.
1: Yeah. What do you want to
0: wear that certain beard and wings? Yep. And then I just charge you.
1: Yeah, And I get to look you in your face as I kick your ass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, oh, dude, that's <laughs> um, So I, I, I give him ideas all the time and he'll, he'll shoot them down. Like, And then one day I went to him and, and so I, I'm riding back and forth to work and then I say, like, what if I had a mobile shop on a bicycle. And I go to him and I say, like, I I got another idea. I want to open up a glasses shop on a bike where I ride around and, like, pop up and sell glasses and pack up and ride home. And he said, like, do it. He said, you love to ride bikes. You love to be active and, like, be in the moment and be where the action is. And you love selling and being being a a go-getter and entrepreneur. And make it happen, and so that's that's how the idea was born and then I, I I decided to really try to pursue it.
0: How long from saying it to opening it how 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 many how many months how many weeks probably eight months eight months yeah was it what took the most time was it just saving was it strategy no,
1: it was finding the person to build it okay it was like so it's luck after, you know streak of luck after streak of luck with solar flare and uh I find this mobile library thing that is on a bike trailer and I see it and I say like something like that and I find the person from the Boston Public Library and they refer me to who built it and the guy who built it, John Ramos, is this like bicycle advocate. He's all about bicycle advocacy and like making more bike lanes and making the streets safer bikes and how great it is for people to realize Biking for transportation for life is for the world. And I go to him with solar flare idea. And he says, I love it. I'll do it. And he's like a genius engineer. An actual fucking A plus savant genius. And his passion for bicycle advocacy with the money, the little bit of money I had to try to make this happen, made me, you know, the luck of the draw for him to do this for me. As a passion of his, so he like he built the design of Solar Flare for me like as a favor because he wanted to see something bicycle based in the world. Okay, cool. So his love of being bicycle friendly and being a bike advocate, and me wanting to have a bike thing, made me luck the fuck out and have this genius engineer design with the most amazing detail and intricacy a transforming mobile pop up optical shop.
0: So, you had an idea. This guy builds it. How'd you meet him?
1: I found him through Boston Public Library. I, like, <laughs> I searched him out. Through, credit to me, tons of, like, cold calling research and diligence. That's, and I need
0: people to hear that. Because I feel like every time you hear a success story, it's like, oh, I had this idea and then this. And then people are like, oh, that's easy. It's like, nah, there's probably yeah. a lot of
1: work. <laughs> I, I've been very lucky, but I like I'm I I, I I'm a driven guy you know what I'm saying I wake up every day fucking I, I can't turn it off there's there's nothing I can do to like chill all I want to do is win and uh yeah it was a lot of, I like researched I found the thing that seemed close to what I wanted I found the contact through the Boston Public Library I hit her up I followed up with her found out who built it got in touch with the dude who built it set up a meeting with the dude who built it pushed him to get me a quote on and on and on
0: nice all right, so get it out, and get it built. What once once it's ready, what was your? Did you know where you were gonna go? Or you no. just? I don't
1: know. I don't know anything. So it's this it's this <laughs> interesting dynamic of like being a street vendor, and popping up in places. The city ordinances are so old that like no one in the city even knows. Like if I I eventually got a meeting with Public Works, I fought my way into the door, and and got a meeting with like one of the guys from Public Works, yeah. and said like, "Is what I'm doing legal?" And he said, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> He, he's like a super Boston dude the the classic white Boston dude that yeah. just has a job in City Hall y- yeah. you know what I'm saying like, his just, cousin yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> just like he, he lives in High Park so he can have City's residency yeah. you know what I'm saying like he just goes like I don't fucking know man who knows so the, ma- the main thing about what I was doing so I, I would pop up on street corners and the main thing about what I was doing was that if no one called on me like called uh uh, what the what Code code enforcement. Yeah. Then then nobody cares. The cops don't care. Hopefully I'm not on somebody's private property. Right. And so and that's how and that's how it works. Code enforcement told me like that that's so code enforcement is who can ruin my day. And they said like, look man, if somebody calls, we don't give a fuck. We're not coming to fuck with you. Like, but if somebody calls and says, hey, this guy's vending illegally. Yeah. Then we have to come and we could take your whole shit if we want. I went, wow. like, I went like got it.
0: What's sure. the first neighborhood you went to?
1: Uh, like Newbury Street, Copper Square.
0: How'd that work out? Because I would think good, but all the stuff on
1: that street, the clientele. No, it went well. My first day was the was Marathon Weekend. I opened the Marathon Weekend 2015. Nice. That's awesome. And you know what's funny is, I started off wanting to be themed. My my original business plan was I was going to have themed glasses and do. St. Patrick's Day with, like, clover glasses. Yeah. Marathon. I made these Boston Strong Marathon glasses.
0: That's right, because that was, yeah, 2015. Yeah, okay, yeah. And so
1: that was my whole plan, was I was going to have themes, but that didn't work. No one bought the theme glasses. They were a fucking dud. I still have 200 pairs of (laughs) fucking Boston Strong glasses in my, I might have thrown them away at this point. Um, People were buying my boutique fashion shit, which is what I always dreamed and hoped. But I never thought I could waltz my way into being a fashion boutique pop-up shop. I thought I would have to be a niche quirky thing and then maybe I could grow my brand and then open up a fashion line. But that, that's not how it went at all. The market determined that they fucked with my, my fashion line and now I'm like an edgy, unique eyewear experience which is what I, what I always dreamed I could open. Yeah. You know, was like, I didn't want to be where you bought goofy Shamrock glasses right. like that's <laughs> fucking lame What I want to be is where you go buy some Cutting edge different shit you've never seen Before from a guy on a bike And now that's what I am That's what's up Yeah it's dope, it's really dope
0: So Newberry Street's first uh, it, It's funny that you said Newberry Street Because I remember there was a guy, I can't remember his name His name was Derek man, he had a truck called Green Street Fault and he put sell clothes Out of it food truck-ish looking yeah. truck looking yeah.
1: truck and
0: he got yeah. shut down because his was big it was uh, just the size of it i feel like yeah. you know the whole i think thing. i know dude you're talking about yeah yeah he's and, like a real
1: central squarey kind of guy yeah uh
0: and uh it was specifically on Newbury Street where he got into issues and he just never because he was kind of linked up with um greg selko from karma loop oh, and
1: okay. they just built
0: a reputation of just like rattling cages and yeah. shit and people finally were like all right now we're just done with this and he and he squashed it um, but I kind of do feel like having an actual big-ass vehicle yeah. it just attracts so, a ton exactly. more att- attention. So, when you were doing it on Newberry Street, were there any points in the first couple of months, like, and I'm sure when you had the novelty shit and it didn't work, you're probably like, all right, this this is weird. But were there any points where you had lulls and you were like, is this a good idea to be doing this shit?
1: Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I mean, trying to work the whole where and how am i gonna pop up enough that was like the battle of the first year was like how can i be out like where can i go and and people not fuck with me because the first year was like full of like getting kicked out of places like i'd pop up on a corner and then it would never be the code enforcement of the police it'd be the old lady from the third floor and yeah. be like, excuse me where's your permit and I'd be like yo there's a fucking bum asking for change out here all day i'm out here creating commerce Via customer service And you're fucking with me Like fuck you lady But It was a lot of Not like Not knowing how I was gonna get In places legally And and sell legal And the first year I might have I probably had 30 to 40 days of selling Like days where I was out selling So very few It was a real Let me try this thing out Not at all I could maybe make a living from this It was like Maybe someday this could be more than something I do sometimes for fun. And so as I was doing that, I was learning, you know, like, how am I going to get in places legally? And that's when I was talking to Public Works about how I could be on street corners, trying to figure out how I could buy street corners and kind of married to doing the dance of like being somewhere I wasn't supposed to be when, when no one would catch me. New shoot, I would go to where there was vacant stores, yep. and I would pop up out on the sidewalk of a vacant <laughs> store, and that was, like, my dance, you know what I'm saying? It's a good um, idea. And then I learned, you yep. know, like, on Sundays, the property managers are never there, but on, like, Thursday, the property manager is always there. Yeah. And so, like, popping up on Thursday is a bad idea, because the property manager is going to come, is going to see you, but Sunday is a fucking free game. So then I would pop up, every, I would get every Sunday, I would be there. And dance uh, some Saturdays, and uh, and I was just messing around the first year. You know what I'm saying? And it was a lot of a lot of positive man. It was it was going it was going really well. The few days that I that I got out.
0: What? When did the? Was it like like you were talking about the uh, trance for going to school? Was there a moment where you're like, this is it? In lady.
1: the in the second year. In the second year. So I I I eventually built a second store. And
0: was it the same dude who same dude? Okay.
1: Same dude. Um, and it's a completely different design. And you know, so so one day I work at Croc Center. Yeah. One day somebody leaves this like long extendo bike at the Croc for like two weeks. And finally I'm like, I'm taking this thing home. It's been sitting without a lock, like in the front, just sitting there. So I'm like, I'm taking this home. I take it home, I send a picture to the dude, I'm like, could we make a store out of this? And he says, no, not out of that shitty one. But if you get your hands on a nice one, we could. So he builds a whole new and different design. And so now I have two stores. And so in the second year, that's when I learn about Soa, And I get into the market scene. Yeah. And finding out about the market scene is what made me go like, oh, shit. I could fucking live. I can make a living off of this. And so I learn about Soa, Greenway, New England open markets. Now there's like, this market scene is huge. I never pop up illegally anymore. I don't I have 3 stores and I'm popped up legally 3 times Saturday and Sunday every weekend because I've come to learn about the market scene so much that there's enough events, pop-up markets, flea markets, farmers markets that I can be there as a vendor and not have to worry about if I'm going to get kicked out. So it's so crazy to go from like the first year where all I worried about was like Am I going to get kicked out today? Where can I go to be illegal? To now, like, it's just worried about, like, the logistics of staffing and inventorying and transporting three stores back and forth to three different markets every every day. Where do
0: you even get the... I don't even know where to start. Where do you get the products from? Where do you get your frames and... So,
1: I, I kind of, like, curate and collect. So, there's, there's these big conventions where you go and meet, like, manufacturers. Yeah. And I go and I meet manufacturers and vendors... And just like handpick my own shit. And I just go to them and, and you know, haggle and negotiate prices and shit like that and just handpick my own my own collection of stuff.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh and how often do you get to do this like I meet or... the, the
1: the events? It's a uh, Vision Expo, it's called there's Vision Expo East and Vision Expo West. Okay. West is in Vegas. My wife will never let me go to West again. <laughs> I go to East every year um where's the east it's in new york (laughs) all right it's so it's a train ride away uh, (laughs) my wife will let me go to that as (laughs) often as i'd like um but uh but that yeah i go to that every year and i'm not i do some buying when i go but that's i do the networking there to meet the vendors and manufacturers and like figure out who i want to get from where and what and stuff like that What's up, man? There you go. So, how long have you been working at the
0: Croc? And what is the Croc for, you know, if you mentioned a couple times? Just so, the Croc
1: is this giant community center in the Upton's Corner neighborhood that I'm from. So, I'm like born and bred in this neighborhood. And then, the, uh, so the lady who owned McDonald's, right? Yeah. She dies. She gives the Salvation Army a billion dollars. The biggest single charitable donation ever in the history of charitable donations. And Slates, the Salvation Army, to build these community centers across the country. And they build like 26 of them. And they build one in the neighborhood that I'm from. So right around the time where I... I had no
0: idea that's where that came from. Yeah, I thought crazy, the right? you know That's them, a crock.
1: That's, yeah. 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 He, and he, the first one was built in San Diego. And they also own the San Diego Chargers. Wow.
0: Okay. Shit. Then, Sorry. Go ahead. I'm gonna... yeah. and, but <laughs> do
1: you know, like, do you know what the Salvation Army is?
0: A little bit. I just know who they are. I don't know it too yeah, much. Yeah, it's like a church. I did not
1: know that. Yeah. No one. I didn't fucking know that either. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's a church. So the place is a church. Okay. And they like try to be a church as much as possible, but of course no one goes there for church. Right. Right. Actual point five percent of the people who walk through the door go for church. Um, it's this giant community center with like an indoor water park and a gym. It's like a Boston Sports Club, a YMCA, a Boys and Girls Club combined. On Dudley Street in a, a ghetto urban yeah. area and uh, and I'm like and I'm like the manager. How long you been there? I worked there since they opened. So actually when it was getting built, I saw it and said like I'm going to have my hand in that because yeah. Growing up as I did, I saw so many, like, I had so many bad community center experiences. So many <laughs> dickheads who worked there, who were just like, you know, working because they couldn't get another job. Right. Because they ended up in the field, and they had no passion for it, and they're just treating kids like shit. Watching the Reggie Lewis Center get built, thinking it was going to be... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, this is going to be amazing! Yeah. It's just for white kids to run track. Literally. Uh and i said like fuck that i'm gonna have my hand in this because i will not let it be what reggie lewis was and so i got a part-time job there when it first opened worked there part-time off and on eventually sometimes i got kind of shitty new management came along and like i learned some good life lessons about being you know some personality flaws that i have and I, i learned when everyone knows you think you're the shit all the time, it's not a good way to be. Yeah. And so, I, I kind of learned that lesson a little bit. And I ended up deciding to leave Sunglass Hut and go to work full-time at the Croc, br- bringing my talents to South Beach. Yeah. And uh, and I went to go work at Croc Center full-time. And it, it was at that time when I was designing the Solar Flare plans. you are you there? Yeah. Seems like you got to figure it out, man. Like, I,
0: you work... You're able to work somewhere w- with a little bit of soul. Like, I feel like the majority of people I talk to uh, work and they're good at what they do. Yeah. But it can be soul crushing at times, right? You yeah, can be exactly. making, who cares, six figures, whatever, doing financial work, uh, IT work, but it's just a skill. And then they leave and do this thing that they really want to do outside of work. It gives them a ton of joy, but they gotta turn it off from nine to five. I feel like you know, just being able to contribute to something like the Croc Center yeah. would be so much more fulfilling. It, it really, and that's
1: why that's why I went, and that's why I worked there. I remember like the higher I grew in Luxotica, I would go on these like corporate trips sometimes and shit, and it would be so lavish. And I'd be like, looking at the the five course dinner I was having, and thinking about how they would tell me to cut payroll for these minimum wage kids that are fucking working for me. Wow. And I'd be like, yeah. dude, I'm about to eat fucking go filet <laughs> tonight and you're like worried about my payroll like you dicks yeah and and I was like uh, fuck that I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna do something fulfilling you know what I'm saying and yeah. I will be so envious of the people at work I would go to these conferences and and after hours they would get together and they'd be like oh let's go do culturally relevant things let's go like drink craft beer let's go talk about fucking Things that are relevant to both of us. And I would just be on the outside like, I don't fuck with any of which I'll do. Yeah, Like, none of your world intersects with my world. I have no fault with you people. I don't feel bad because I'm on the outside. I don't think you're bad people. But I will never click with you and I'll never feel like, oh man, it's so great to bond with you after work. Like, I would just, I would bond with you because I'm a friendly guy and I like bonding. But yeah. not because we lined up in a way that made me want to bond. And that's what I lusted for at work so much. And now every day at work, I bond with people because they're all from my same world. And that's the best thing about my job. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really good. It's so really good.
0: run down a typical day of Solar Flare. Like, when you got to work, what's that like?
1: It's fucking a lot. So I'm up 6 a.m., And I get up, uh, if I haven't prepped the night before, usually I'll prep the night before when I'm still up at 6 a.m., but I'm up at 6 a.m. and I'm sorting the backpacks for each store, because each store has a backpack full of supplies for the day. Okay. The mirrors, the iPad, the speaker, the swipe device, the battery charger, and the cash envelope for the day. So I prep each bag first, and then I check each store. For inventory, to make sure, like, the inventory levels are good. All right. And then, around, like, 8, some of the transport team will come. Like, I have my, my nephews work for me.
0: Nice, good.
1: And so, my nephews will hopefully show up at 8. Sometimes, <laughs> they sleep in my house, and I'll, like, fucking wake them up at 8. And then, we bring the stores around, and we hook them up to the bikes. So, the stores are, like, big, giant boxes on bike trailers. Yeah. And they hook on to a bicycle and we then pedal and pull it, like trail it behind us. And so we, uh, we then bring the stores around, hook them onto the bikes, and then we ride either together to one event or to one event and then back to the house to get another store and then to the next event and back to the house and, until we have all three out. Yeah. So we'll ride to the event, set the event up, which means, you know, do the whole transformation, uh, build the store up. Turn it from a box into like a giant optical shop display. Uh, put all the inventory out. Uh, set up the, the mirrors, the display, the iPad, the music with the, with the special station. That's like the family-friendly bumping fun station. Yeah. All the inventory, the cash envelope for the day. Um, set everything up. So now we have you know a full, a full operating retail store. Uh, and wait for the salesperson to get there. And then the salesperson gets there. And it sells for the day. And then for me, I then either sell at a location all day or like float around. So when I have all three and I have salespeople, I'll be at one, go to the second, go to the third, go to one, go to the second, go to the third. Whichever one finishes first, I'll be at that, and then we break it down, we put each pair of glasses in a bag, in a box, under the store, break the store down back into a tiny like back into its original box transportation mode hook it back onto the bike, ride the bike back home to Roxbury, this 300-pound fucking box up a hill, sometimes, you know, 20 miles to East Boston, to an event in East Boston, uh, just fucking sweating, riding a bike, hours and hours all day, Um, and bring the stores home, down like a back alley. I live in like a brick row house, So there's an alley that you go down and come around, and I have a little ramp into my basement. So you are got to ride the bike down an alley, back around the back, up a ramp, down back into the basement. Um, Once all the stores are back into the basement, count out the cash for the day. Check the cash to make sure we didn't miss any sales and everything lines up. Uh, Log into the POS system. Tally the sales for the day. uh, Check how much commission each salesperson made. Check the hours for each transport person and see how much they've made. Uh, log all that into my Excel sales document to see how well we did for sales versus what we paid for each market. Uh, update all the sales sheets and uh, and then fucking go to bed and do it and do the same thing the next day. Sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's So much, it's so much. And but here's and like catch a flat in the middle of the day. Forget forget an iPad from one store. Forget a speaker. Uh, have a salesperson not show up. Have a transport person not show up. Have a bike fall apart. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying? Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just always a million things every second, every day, no matter what.
0: So would this sounded like this is real work but it sounds rewarding but your day jobs are rewarding, and it's interesting a lot of the stuff we hear uh, including myself there's gripes so what you do from nine to five with that said what is your goal like is it just be able to do solar flare in an efficient manner where you're you know you're profitable while being able to help people is it solar flare full time
1: i'm kind of at that point right now And, and and it's tough because my day job is rewarding it's it's difficult you know my my mentor Jeff, has, as putting in my head to, to get Solar Flare to be self-sufficient so I can keep my day job. Yeah. Um, Solar Flare does so well that, like, it's you wonder if I quit my day job and invested all my energy into it, could it be so profitable that I would then make as much money as doing both? But, you know, that's the, that's the wonder. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think I would much rather, of course grow solar flare to be huge and i'm working with a, a consultant team that i got through a program through the city like for free nice. of all these like fortune 500 young professionals who are the shit shout out to kate caroline Aditya, and the new guys that i don't know your names yet sorry guys
0: hi oh, caroline um
1: and they're like Oh, I think it's Carolina, actually. Sorry, Carolina. <laughs> he said that. He said that about me. Um, but they're, like, giving me their time and, like, holding me down and, like, helping me with... Yesterday, I sat with Carolina for two hours and worked on, like, my mission statement. Which, like, I was never going to fucking... Yeah. And so what I'm realizing now is I'm going to staff a lot of, like, teens and young, young urban youth to get them involved and to make them money so they have money in their pocket... Yeah. and to show them that hustling doesn't have anything to do with drugs. Yeah, and that's part of my mission is to like keep young urban youth involved and get them jobs and keep them involved and do my best to like pay them a living wage when I get the opportunity and to provide affordable eyewear for people. Do, do you wear glasses? I will eventually. Not yet, but if another person who needs to wear glasses, so I can use their. Lack of sight for a perfect analogy. <laughs> I, everyone on the on the um, consultant team doesn't wear glasses either. Really? So when I'm meeting with them and like giving them my whole spiel, they're like, I love your energy, but no, I don't wear glasses. I'm like, Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> um so here's the idea. So I need glasses to live. If I lose and break my glasses right now, I'm fucked. I can't like I can't drive. I can't definitely can't ride my bike. Like yeah. I can't survive in the world. Solar flare Needs to be a place where people can go and buy prescription glasses without so much rigmarole, for an affordable price, because it's a necessity in life. Yeah. And we in Luxonica in the world right now is that guy who bought the what drug did he buy and then he raised the price? Oh, 1,
0: I can't remember. It was that guy. Like like is yeah. fucking that guy, man. Yeah. Because
1: people need glasses, but. You don't know that, but glasses cost a million fucking dollars. Like they're the worst. (laughs) Frames are hundreds of dollars. Lenses are hundreds of dollars. You have to pay an optometrist, have an active prescription, pay an optician. All this bullshit that doesn't need to be that way. And Solar Flare is gonna win by usurping that whole process, providing affordable eyewear, and providing one stop shopping for prescription eyewear. Show up in an instant, buy glasses that help you for an affordable price. I respect that. That's Uh, the, that's the, that's the big picture vision uh, and being invested in my community. I'm going to open my first retail shop in Upton's corner. Nice. Uh, and we're going to provide affordable eyewear and we're gonna, you know, do all we can to, to change the culture around how people think about buying glasses. There's a lot of companies doing it already and they, and they're doing great work. Um, but, I want to do what I can to have an economic impact on the community that I'm from and the people from my world so that they can they can grow confidence and share in the wealth of what it feels like to be an entrepreneur and to, and to have the like spirit of winning in a way that isn't programmed into us that isn't being a rapper or a basketball player or a drug dealer you yes. know what I'm saying
0: one last question are you happy?
1: Yeah I'm pretty happy I'm a pretty happy dude. I've been I've been going through a lot lately, I've been really stressed. But uh I'm in, I'm definitely in a good place.
0: Good to hear it, man. So, all right, where we find you. Where Solar Flare, how do we Yeah, so
1: Solar Flare, I sell glasses on a bicycle. That's my bit. <laughs> when people walk up to the store, I'm always like, Hey, we sell glasses on a bike. I pop up at uh markets throughout the city. Yeah. Um if you've ever bought glasses from a guy on a bike or a girl on a bike, that's us. Uh, summer we do constantly. So every Sunday we're at solo open market, uh, greenway open market. We're at every Saturday and Sunday. Nice black market in Dudley. We do pretty often. Yeah. Uh, uh, BBOB, which yeah. is like Boston black business. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, if they hear this, I'm out the market. They I every... apologize.
0: I'll put it, I'll make sure I put I'm it in the notes.
1: Um, I'm there monthly. Uh, and I'm going to be at Boston pizza festival coming up soon. Nice. I've ended there yesterday last year um Carson Beach is gonna be my spot for the summer, Carson so I beach? have a, a, a store stationed at Carson Beach from Fourth of July until labor day okay and uh and that's you know a beach that's not really a destination for people, but I'm trying to make it a destination because it's nice. it's right in the city, it has parking, it has water and sand and is a beach, and there's nothing there, so solar flare is gonna be there because maybe people will buy glasses but also. We're trying to create commerce and create venues in the community that we're from by, by trendsetting and being innovators. So we're selling glasses at Carson Beach all summer. Come and fuck with us and support us and frequent the beach. Nice. Well, Scott, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. This is interesting, dude. I learned, a, I learned a little bit. Thanks for having me, man. So
0: we'll definitely have to check in, in a couple of months. we got to yeah. make sure you're that close to that retail shop.
1: Have me back, man. Uh, I love to, to update.
0: Not, that, that sounds good uh, and to anyone who's listening thank you uh, we appreciate it uh, I'll make sure to put all your information up on our site just so people can find you if they have questions yeah. or if they need I'd rattle
1: off like my Instagram and shit like that but I feel like that's just pointless nobody's <laughs> has anyone ever listened to someone say what their Instagram handle is and then never looked at it because if you have DM me and tell me because I'll be impressed. I don't <laughs> think that shit is I think it's zero percent. Yeah, I don't 0% know. Zero percent that someone has said to hear it and then look And right. I'm at Solar Flare Optics. S O L A R F L A I R O P T I S E S. Solar Flare Optics. <laughs> Follow me. Find me on Instagram like fuck that. No one's ever done that.
0: <laughs> well uh, <laughs> Well I, I appreciate it. Follow him if you want to, please. Go to it. Please uh do. please Instagram. Uh, but thank you again uh for listening to our episode and we'll check back in soon dope all right scott